and Lily, and you're listening to Just Ghouly Things. Hey, Boo Things, and welcome back to Just Ghouly Things, the quarantine spooky story special, episode 65, and we are your beautiful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey. See, I finally got the intro right. Yesterday was a (laughs) hot-ass mess. (laughs) We're not going to talk about episode 64. Um, but now 65, 65, 35 more till the big 100. Yes. I don't know if we're going to make 100 though. We've definitely surpassed over 100 episodes. Yeah. But 100 quarantine spooky story specials, guys, I think it's going to start coming to an end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's heart wrenching. It is. It is. I really kind of want to hit that thousand scary story encounter mark. Yes. Which I feel like by now we are pretty close to that. Yeah. Even just with it, our all other in episodes. All in total, yeah, probably. But for quarantine spooky story special. Yeah. Well, this is the start. I didn't even realize this. This is the weekend of Memorial Day weekend. Does mm-hmm. not even feel like it. Um, the Jersey Shore, um, as some of you guys know, you know, Jersey's known for its shore. Uh, they are opening it up, but I don't believe you can actually sit on the beach. You have to either be doing some sort of, like, exercise or just walking around on the beach. You can't be stationary. I guess they just want the flow of people moving through in and out. They don't want so many people at once. Only 10,000 people on the beach, which seems like a lot, but... The beaches are long, so it definitely can pack yeah. in more than 10,000. Um, the boardwalk is open, but none of the rides. And I think, like, only certain, only certain like, food places are open. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely not going to be the same Memorial Day weekend. It's definitely not. I mean, the good thing is that it happens every year. It's not like a leap year occurrence. Uh-huh, yeah. And my mom, every year, goes to the New Jersey State Fair. Not the one in Secaucus, but the one um, in the one in Sussex County and uh it's like very farmy like they have so many uh different like petting zoo kind of things a lot of local uh a lot of local shops and they have the only main reason why my mom goes is besides the fire food they have pig races and every year my mom loves seeing the little piggies race around and they have really like like different like punny names so she gets a kick out of that she just oh, I love me, that. She just sent me a picture of a new, the newspaper article, front cover of her local newspaper, saying that they are officially canceled for this year. And she called me crying. I was like, <laughs> Mom! I was like, I know you're upset. It's like your yearly tradition, but it will be back next year, okay? I think we have some bigger things to fix than this state fair. <laughs> but she was the pigs so will be around. She, she's really, like, not a high-maintenance person, so for her, this is, like, such a big thing because she really doesn't ask for a lot. She doesn't really go out a lot. So, like, the state fair is, like, her thing, and she's like, I can't even have it this year. I'm like, Mom, <laughs> next year it will be bigger and better than ever, I promise you. But, uh, yeah, and then this weekend is going to be the one year since I got Loki. Oh, yay! It'll be his gotcha day. Yes, so I have that to look forward to, so I have to figure out I'm probably going to get him another little pupcake sort of uh, gotcha day little treat for him, make him feel Mm -hmm. special on that day. Uh, he has no idea what's going on. He's just like, oh, I'm getting extra treats today. All right, more for me. I I don't care. You just pick up my shit. And cuddle me when I want. Uh, so, for Love you guys Loki. that are listening in for the first time, I am Rebecca. I'm Lily. And we are your ghostesses with the mostesses of paranormal <laughs> stories. So, I read five spooky story encounters. Lily reads five spooky story encounters. You love them. You rate us five stars and review us on Apple Podcasts. The world goes around in a happy manner. So, (laughs) without further ado, I don't have my coffee this morning. I have celery juice. I'm trying to be, like, super healthy for this year. (laughs) Nice. Isn't celery mostly water? Yeah, I think. I don't know. But... 
Um, anyone that actually says they enjoy the taste of celery juice is a fucking compulsive liar, and you shouldn't trust them. Um, <laughs> but I do, I don't know if it's like a placebo or something for me in my head, but I do feel healthier after I drink it, and like, I do feel like pumped to start the day rather than like just watering myself down with tons of coffee. Huh. So, All right, well, you know, change it up. Cheers, Lily. Cheers. Wait, let me grab my soda. They were out of Diet Coke, so I had to get regular Coke. Oh, what a shame. Wait, where, let me see your face, because I have the screen pop. All right, cheers. There's two different types of people at 11 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. <laughs> mm. All right, let's get into the let's story, shall we? Yes. All right. This one is called Family Ghost Encounters in Wyoming. Let me start by saying I myself did not experience this, but my family did when they were living in Sheridan, Wyoming during the 90s. By family, I mean my two older brothers and my parents. At the time, my parents would have been in either their late 20s or early 30s, and both of my older brothers would have been less than 10 years old. All of my family, including me, are religious, but this didn't keep my dad from being skeptical about the whole situation. To this day, he still believes everything that happened in Sheridan was nothing more than random noise on an overactive imagination on my brother's part, but he does admit that there were some things that happened which he cannot explain to this day. Anyways, the reason my family was living in Sheridan at the time was because my dad had gotten a job at the local hospital. I'm not sure what his specific job or position was, but my family was able to live in one of the houses built on hospital property. Many of the houses located on the hospital grounds were apparently built over a hundred years ago, a hundred years ago, and a few were abandoned. My family lived in one of the houses, and many strange things happened in that house. I could write several paragraphs about all the creepy stuff that happened in that house, but I'll instead tell you guys about three things that stick out the most. The first thing is from the perspective of my mother. I love my mom, but even I'll admit that she can be a bit too superstitious at times. She often would tell me as a kid and even to this day, about things called orbs. These orbs were red and white points of light that would float around in the house at night. I never really believed in that because I just assumed she was seeing what she wanted to see, but part of me always wondered if she was right. My mother never described the orbs as evil, but she never said anything good about them, so she probably thought they were neutral entities. The second story is a little more interesting. My dad, the more skeptical one, often told me this story. One night, my dad heard loud footsteps of a person going up and down the steps, specifically the steps leading to the third story. When my dad heard the steps, he had the whole family barricade themselves in the master bedroom, and he called the police. When the police came, they didn't find a single thing. But when they spoke to my dad, they told him that reports like this weren't uncommon in this area, and this wasn't the first time they got a call like that. The third story is the most interesting because I always found it to be a bit scary. This story is from the perspective of my two older brothers who were playing their Nintendo 64 in the basement of the house. The room was dark and the only light and the only light came from the TV playing the game. As they were playing, they both suddenly heard the voice of an old woman come from the darkness. The voice said, "Come play with me." Oh. <laughs> and what always scared me about the story as a kid was when the was when the voice said that both of my brothers looked at each other at the same time confirming they had both heard her and it wasn't just their imagination right after this they both ran upstairs screaming and they never played in the basement again now before i end this post i just want to say that i don't really believe in the paranormal but my family has been telling me this story ever since i could listen and i don't think they're the type of people to make up some lame joke for almost 20 years i think it would be pretty cool to check out that old house at some point in my life, but it's been over 20 years since those events took place, and I wouldn't be surprised if the place got demolished. The end. Hmm, some spooky, kooky, ooky history behind that house. Right? I wonder what happened there that, you know, caused all of this energy. Just imagine you're in the 90s, you're you're eating your Dunkaroos and having your Gushers and your... Drinking your Surge. Gogurt and your Surge and all of a sudden you're with your Nintendo 64 having the time of your life. And then all of a sudden you hear, come play with me. No, ma'am, Childhood no, shattered. Yeah. Ugh, okay. Let's see, what is my next story? All right, pick a number one to five. Uh, four. All right. This one is titled, Old TV Replayed a Conversation I Had the Other Day. 
Me and my roommate were about to play old school Xbox when it was loading up. He kept saying he heard something. After we get into the game, I hear it too and we pause it. I get up close and I could hear a conversation I had a couple days ago on the phone in the same room. I was having problems getting into my account for financial aid money and was having someone walk me through getting back in. It was clearly my voice. I could clearly hear me asking the same questions and pausing when I was hearing steps and then saying, hang on, let me try that and so on. I would think this was just spyware or someone hacking into speakers or whatever, but it's a super old TV. It literally doesn't even have an HDMI port and no internet connection. It's only plugged into an old school Xbox and Nintendo 64, both of which are never connected to the internet. I tried to Google if old TVs like this even have a microphone inside, but just got troubleshooting guides for broken sound and stuff like that. I'm pretty spooked. Ooh, that is spooky. <laughs> okay, what are the odds that we both picked a story... First two stories with Nintendo 64. (laughs) The theme of this episode is Nintendo 64. (laughs) Maybe Nintendo 64s are the haunted things. Sponsor us, Nintendo. Please do, because we'd be set. Um, But yeah, the Nintendo 64, maybe there's something haunted behind the Nintendo 64s. Oh, true. Maybe there's a connection there. Maybe Maybe they were both made in a haunted factory. Ooh. So weird. So freaking weird. And then someone's like, is maybe the TV secondhand? Open up the case. There may be a recording device in there. <gasps> Possibly, right? Um, and then see the person continues, my uncle did this way back in the early 90s to catch his then wife cheating on him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel mean, bad for laughing. It's not the craziest strategy, though. It's that, really not. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. This was before social media days, so live your truth. Okay, Lily, what is your next story? Okay, this one is called Wanting Advice, drumroll please, for a ghost in white. Of course it is. That's literally the sole reason that I picked this. (laughs) Okay, about a year ago, I was... About a year ago, I was playing video games in my living room late at night. I don't remember how late, probably around 2 a.m., when I noticed a white figure outside the window next to the TV. I brushed this off as me just seeing things because it was late and I had spent a few hours playing games. A few hours go by and I'm heading to bed and I see it again. This time, I could make out that it seemed like a girl in a long white gown in the room across from me. So obviously, I freak out and turn on the hallway light and it was gone. Again, I'm thinking that I'm just seeing things, so I end up falling asleep. But I keep seeing her at the top of the stairs through the window, the doors, the computer room. Only these places, though, and it's been a year. Every time I see her, I turn on the light in the hall or go to a nearby room to turn on the light, and she disappears. I know no one has died in this house, and I've only seen her in the places above. I've heard no strange noises. My dog sometimes will stare out the window at night but I'm not sure if that's new since I've only thought about it recently. I was wondering if you guys know of anything like this or have any advice. I'm sure I'm not just seeing things anymore. I see her more and more every week. The end. Ooh. I would sage the shit out of that house and put some salt there so mm-hmm. that she can't get in. Oh, definitely. I think it's... And this is where there are these misconceptions of, oh, if someone didn't die in the house that means that it can't be filled with paranormal activity this could be a a spirit that died on the property many years ago it could Mm -hmm. be a situation where they the spirit attached themselves to this person from somewhere else to an object that's in the house there's so many different ways that a spirit can connect somewhere and it doesn't have to be from the house so I think if I if I were this person, because this person seems to be seeing them more and more, mm-hmm. I would try to like get I would try to contact them in some way or be like, uh, you know, blink the lights twice if the following. I wouldn't use a Ouija board, but I yeah, would. No, I, we are not, again, we are not condoning the use of a Ouija board. No Ouija boards. But I mean, if you don't feel threatened, I would try to communicate with it. Why not? Yeah. All right. Let's see. Which one am I going to do next? Um, okay. We'll do this. Ready to tell it. My dad died on Halloween. You know how when someone discusses a loved one's passing, they talk about the signs, the premonitions, and the presence? 
I lost my dad just a couple weeks ago and I had all of these. So just two weeks before his passing, I visited him and we had a big family get together with dinner. My dad and I had a difficult relationship in some ways because he liked to keep pretty isolated or maybe I didn't visit enough. I'm not sure of which now. Anyway, at this visit, he had gotten a haircut and a shave, and he looked healthier and more presentable than he had in the last two years. I brought a dish I was sure he'd have nothing to do with, and he ate it with me and said how delicious it was. I put on the eagles, and we sang, Take It Easy. At the end of the night, he let me hug and kiss him goodbye, which he has never done in his life. I told my dad I was moving to the coast to be near the ocean. He asked if he can come see me when I got there, as he had never been to the ocean. I promised he could, despite my shock at the idea he would even come, and we spent time dreaming of how wonderful it was going to be when he came. Afterward, my husband and I, oh, my husband said it was the best visit we ever had with dad, and it was. I was really looking forward to seeing him on his birthday, November 2nd, not knowing I would not get the chance to ever see him again, losing him two days beforehand. Later in the week, my husband and I went for a walk, and he asked why he cared so much to research my family tree. I told him how a couple years back I had finally done my dad's tree and all the things I learned, including the very interesting story I shared with my husband about how my simple father was actually a talented musician, and I literally sang the only song I ever remember him writing as we walked. It was about one of the last prisoners executed at the Don Jail, who I'm pretty sure Dad named after me, <laughs> or named me after. <laughs> what the hell? It's a sad song about the father of the prisoner attending and mourning his son's hanging. My husband got very quiet and noted how unusually deep and somber the conversation had turned. I agreed, but it felt right to talk about at the time. A week later, my daughter said that my dad had tried to call her, but she was unavailable. I don't think he's ever tried to call her before, so I tried to call him back, but his number came up as no service. I have no explanation for how this occurred within 30 minutes of him calling my daughter. I had a bad feeling, so I tried to call my mom, who is his ex-wife, but he was still good friends with and lived close by. No answer. I told myself to let it go and stop worrying. Early Halloween morning, my husband was up late as usual working on some papers at a local cafe. I woke up at 12.24 a.m. and called him anxious and asking where he was and when he'd be back. He accused me of behaving strangely and said he was where he always was and would be back soon. I woke up again at 1.50 a.m. after what could be described as a panic and called him again to discover he was downstairs in our house. I was disoriented and he accused me again of acting, quote-unquote, very weird. I wrote it off and went to sleep, barely remembering anything of, anything of it by the morning. This has never happened. The following day, I'd scheduled off work for an appointment, which turned out to be very lucky because I was still in bed instead of me being in my desk 90 minutes away where I normally would have been when my brother called and told me Dad had died the night before. I left quickly with my husband to go where Dad and my family live. In the car, I started crying. My husband gently asked what I was thinking about. I said, when I woke up and I called you last night, I can already tell you that's when he went. I was right. We got there and learned Dad died at 12.25 a.m. Halloween morning. My mom divorced my dad over 30 years ago. He never did divorce her and never he never did divorce her and never loved another. He should have died on his apartment floor alone, but she came to visit him that afternoon and insisted on bringing him to the hospital after seeing he was unwell. He was admitted and stabilized after arrhythmia. She told him he, she loved him and she would let us know he was in the hospital and that she would visit in the morning. That wily old bird passed away just a couple minutes after the love of his life left his bedside, and I'm certain that was deliberate. For the next several days, Take It Easy played on a continuous loop in my head. I thought I was going insane, and I couldn't make it stop. After the funeral, after my eulogy at the end of which I played Take It Easy, it finally did. I spent the days asking for a sign from my dad that he was okay. I now believe this endless, repetitive music in my head was his goodbye to me. I'm still going to move next to the ocean, Dad, and when I do promise i'll take you with me the end oh my god i have goosebumps mm -hmm. oh that's a sweet one yeah and then this person edited at the end and goes one last thing i found an envelope of cash in dad's apartment when i went to empty it with my sister not much money but obviously took a long time for him to save as forty five hundred dollars is a lot for a man as poor as him I split it with my two siblings, and I immediately took some of my share to get a tattoo. Of course, it is to remember my father, and it is at my right shoulder where he always was in life, and most certainly is now. It was like he put it there for us to find. It was under a pile of laundry on his bed, of all strange places, in an envelope wrapped in a bag. I always That's feel so sweet. I always feel like the the people that look and act rough around the edges are really the sweetest of hearts. Mm -hmm. 
and are just looking to kind of find that way to uncrack themselves. So I think that that last visit, he knew in his heart it may be his last visit with his daughter or son yeah. and felt the need to just let it all go and just not care about not being the rough and tough guy that he was known to be, the very sheltered guy. He just opened up and maybe... When he said, oh, I'll definitely visit you on the other side, on the other coast, he was saying that, like, you know, even though I probably am not going to make it there physically, like, I will be there with you in spirit. And that's probably, like, the best thing you could ask for. Oh, I just, I always love also people willing to share their stories online. It's such a vulnerable thing, and it's so personal, so it's amazing that people, like you said, are willing to do that. Yeah. Especially for people that may have stories like that, but they're so scared to say it the way that mm-hmm. these people are doing so publicly. So it gives validation that I'm not crazy. Like, I am actually dealing with this loss, and I am experiencing these things, and it's not just me that experiences them as well. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What's your next story, Lil? Okay. My next story is called I Saw My Great-Grandfather's Ghost. I've been wanting to post the story somewhere for a while now as it's the experience that made me believe in the paranormal. For a bit of background, my Nana, my great-grandmother on my mom's side, had a husband who was my great-grandfather and he unfortunately passed away just five months before I was born, so I was never able to meet him. When I was eight years old, I was staying at my Nana's house with my mother, as we often did, and I was sleeping next to my Nana in her bed with her when I suddenly woke up. I looked at the clock and saw that it was around 3 a.m. and as I woke up and stirred more, I looked into the hallway. My Nana kept her bedroom door open and saw a man with a beard, blue suit, and a red tie on, staring at me and simply waving. I shook my Nana awake and told her that someone was standing in the hallway. She turned her lamp on, looked, and said, I don't see anyone, there's nothing in there. I got really confused, saying, what, Nana, how do you not see him? He's right there and pointing at him as he just kept waving. She still didn't see him. At this point, I was pretty sure what I was seeing was an apparition, as I did watch most paranormal TV shows, mostly Ghost Hunters, with my dad. Hey. Hey. Um, I did also think the man looked like the photos I had seen uh, of my late late great-grandfather. So I called out to my mom, who was staying in a bedroom across the hall, which was also great-grandpa's old office and the room the apparition was standing outside of, and woke her up, telling her there was a man in the hallway. As soon as my mom stepped out of the room, the apparition vanished, just disappeared into thin air. My mom turned on the hall light, and I got up and walked to the spot he was in. It was colder than the spot in the rest of the than that. It was colder in that spot than in the rest of the hallway. I asked my mom later if Grandpa used to have a blue suit and a red tie. She said he did, but he only wore it for special occasions. Both my parents and Nana believed that he came to meet me. My Nana had an experience with him appearing at their back door only a month after he passed, and my grandma, Nana and the great-grandpa's daughter, also had an experience around when he passed. My grandma doesn't believe it was a ghost and that all of us just hallucinated our experiences. (laughs) The thing is... I've, I had never seen an in-color picture of his blue suit and red tie before my experience. The only picture I had seen of it prior was a professional photo they had done that they had in the house that was done in slight sepia tone. My mom and Nana had to dig through drawers and pictures the next day to find an in-color one of him in the suit. As soon as I saw the picture, I was convinced it was him I had seen. If you've taken the time to read this, thank you, and please tell me your thoughts. I believe what I saw was real, but who knows? None of us can really know for sure. The end. I think that the grandpa dressed up all mice so that he can meet, what was it, the the granddaughter or grandson? Uh, it didn't say, the great-grandchild. Great-grandchild, yes. I think that that was just him way of being like, hello, I'm still here because that's what grandparents do. They are always there for their grandchildren, or our great-grandchildren for that matter. So I think that's sweet. I agree. I think it was, you know, it reminds me of a dream that my aunt had when my great aunt passed away. So my aunt's father um, passed away when I was a baby. Okay. Um, 
my it's my dad's stepbrother's wife, so so I never really knew him. Yeah. Um so he passed away when I was a baby. But he was always uh dancing partners with my with my other great aunt. Okay. And at weddings and birthday parties and everything, they would always dance together. That's so cute. So the night my great aunt passed away, my aunt had a dream that was her father in a tuxedo waiting for somebody. And she was like, Dad, you look good. And he was just kind of smiling and nodding. She was like, that's a nice tux. Where'd you get that? And he just kind of smiled and nodded. And uh, we think that it was must have been him kind of waiting for my Aunt Judy. Who's crying in the club? That is so <laughs> fucking sweet. He definitely was like, I was been waiting for this dance for X amount of years, and I need to get my groove on. What type of yeah. dance did they do? Like, was it just like regular dancing? Like, was there a certain style that they like to dance together? Do you know? I think they would tango. I could be wrong. That's pretty fucking awesome. But they were just always, my Aunt Judy loved to dance, any kind of dancing, so. That's really fucking cool. Yeah. Really cool. So it's sweet. And it's sweet how family sticks together, even though they were, I mean, like, the least related people you would meet like this is my dad's aunt and his stepbrother's wife's father but they were they were dancing partners i think that the 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 definition of family isn't just by blood it's those that are there and that make you happy and that bring a positive spin to your life like i think i think that the whole you know the like family is only blood or like you know your closest family's blood that doesn't necessarily mean anything absolutely there's actually you know because i mean it's it's all subjective yeah, unfortunately, some people, you know, the cards are handed, like, their family they're, is not the best, you know? And so yeah. I always feel bad for the people that are in really toxic family relationships and they feel like they mm-hmm. can't leave it because they, they're, they, they're always told, well, that's your blood, you know? You can't leave them, this and that. But there was something, I, I listened to this podcast, My Favorite Murder, and they were talking about how this other podcast that they listened to referred to those like the family that you're born into your first family Mm -hmm. um so that that doesn't necessarily mean that that has to be the family that you end up with it could be you know your family could be what you create through connections of where you meet where you work where you go to school who you Mm -hmm. marry uh their their family um but the people that are your blood relation are your first family but that doesn't necessarily mean that's your only family and i thought that was a really cool way of phrasing it yeah so. I mean, my dad doesn't call his step-siblings his step-siblings. He'll really say, like, my brother, my sister, you know, because yeah. he grew up with them. I don't he think, met them so young. Yeah, I don't think that it needs to necessarily have a label. Like, it's it's all about the connection with somebody. Like, I see you as yeah. a sister, but, you know, my mom didn't pop you out of her vagina, so, <laughs> you know. I <laughs> just, you know, but you're still my sister, so I think that I think that's really an interesting concept. And that's really yeah. that's a really cute story that you had. Oh. Okay, my next story. Hmm. I'll do. Yeah, fuck it. I'll do ants magic words. Ooh, I like. It. <laughs> so in all caps, this person starts. Okay, this just slipped me. Oh, this just slapped me in the face, and I had to share. So <clears throat> my aunt makes us go to the graveyard like four times a year to bring gra- of flowers to my grandparents, an aunt and her long lost boyfriend. Even if it's Mother's Day, she will bring flowers to his grave. She said that he was the love of her life. His name was Hiram, and he died during a gruesome car accident, and he already had bought the wedding ring to ask my aunt to marry him. The thing is, I learned not too long ago something that I didn't know about Hiram. He had been getting violent during the last months of their relationship, basically going full toxic on my aunt, prohibiting her to have any male friends, monitoring her outings, and being choosy about her girlfriends. In fact, once he raised his hand at her and threatened to hit her. My aunt was devastated and thought she still loved him. She definitely didn't want to marry him, knowing he was going to be like that from time to time. So she asked, please, please, God, make him go away from me. Not too long after, Hiram died during that car crash. So I know my aunt blames herself for his death, feeling guilty enough to leave flowers at his grave every time we visit the graveyard. Up until that point, it seems like a twist and coincidence, right? 
Well, after Hiram died, my aunt had other boyfriends, but she remained mainly single and immersed herself on us, her family. About three years ago, she met a past boyfriend of hers by pure coincidence. They hit it off again, and they got together again despite him living in another state. They took planes and buses to get to each other, and they made it work. However, that guy proved himself to be an asshole. He was controlling, <laughs> told my aunt not to spend her money with us so much that she cut up vacations to us, which we traditionally had yearly, and she started giving shitty and cheap presents for Christmas and birthdays. And okay, it's her money and she could use it however she wants, even on her boyfriend. So she bought him things and all, and he got more and more confident in himself, thinking he had wrapped her around his finger. Fuck you, dude. Anyway, this guy sucks. he got angry. When she didn't pick up her phone, she had to let him know where she was going out of the house, who with, and the time she thought she would be back. Not too long ago, I was having a conversation with her, and she was recently frustrated with her boyfriend and blurted out exactly this. Please, please, God, make him... <gasps> oh no, I shouldn't finish that. Last time he listened. <laughs> but I guess her process of thought was already finished, even if it didn't come out of her mouth. Her boyfriend hadn't called her in four days. Oh, her boyfriend hasn't called her in four days as I'm typing this. A full 180 from his constant calling and nagging. Nobody has heard a word from him. Harder to get a hold on him, given he's in another state. So she's getting worried because she's sure he just broke up with her without even having a word. And I couldn't help but think, wouldn't it be fucking creepy, dot, 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 if he had, you know, died? His phone is dead. He hasn't contacted my aunt through public phone or any other medium. Her birthday was like two days ago, and he's as quiet as a rock. I will update if we find out what happened to him. Then there's an update. Ooh. Hey, guys, I know y'all wanted some type of closure with this, and so did I. But uh, unfortunately, I don't know what happened to him. I skipped a lot of family drama because it wasn't really relevant, and, but here it goes to make some more sense of what could have happened. He's one of many brothers, and his younger brother is dating an aunt, uh, of mine that's like 15 years younger and my aunt this is and uh, younger than my aunt that this post is about so my mom asked if my aunt C which is the one that's dating the younger brother uh, asked if she'd heard anything about the motherfucker and she said no but she was gonna ask the brother she called back later to say that the brother told her the motherfucker hasn't shown up in several days and that they were even considering hiring a new guy to play bass to replace him I mentioned in a reply to a comment that he's a musician that's where it comes from and that's the last I've heard of it. His own brother didn't even know where he was and doesn't even care either. Oh, my God. The end. Drama-rama-rama. Yeah, that's something that the little kids are going to learn in about 15 years. Whew. Yeah, right? Yeah. Weird. Weird. I am not getting on this aunt's bad side. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me too. All right, what's your next story, Lil? All right, my next story is called Grandfather's Stories About Witches, Jack-O-Lanterns, and Shapeshifters. So there's two stories here. These are stories uh, which were told in detail to my uncle by my great-great-grandfather in the late 60s and early 70s. I grew up in Cherryville, North Carolina, and only miles away from where all these things were said to have happened. Story one. Papa Les said that in the woods near Buffalo Creek, there were witches that actively practiced in the night. He said you could hear them laugh, talk, etc., and could see their torches in the distance. One day, he went ha one day he had to go to town to buy shotgun shells and had to cross over the bridge at Buffalo Creek to get there. Near the creek, he said there was a white rabbit which stood at the roadside looking at him. He noticed that despite him and the mule moving by, moving by, the rabbit just stared, not moving at all. He also said that the rabbit looked slightly transparent, but he went on to town anyways. On the way back, he said the same rabbit was sitting at the side of the road. He got off his mule, picked up a handful of rocks, and threw them at it. He said the rocks went straight through the rabbit. He claimed that this was one of the witches that could shapeshift. His mule also frequently got spooked while going across the bridge, and Papa said that his hat would get lifted off his head slowly and he would have to reach up and bring it back down over and over. Story two. Les wanted what he called a jack-o'-lantern. He said that these were lights that appeared in the woods, um, or he didn't want it, he warned of. Sorry, I can't read today. Les <laughs> warned of what he called a jack-o'-lantern. He said that... <laughs> he said that these were lights that appeared in the woods and that... 
when you followed them, they would only get further and further away. He, he said that these lights, if followed, would lead you to your death. He, I looked up and I looked this up, and it's basically another name for the popular Will O' the Wisp. Les and Mama Sally also said that once a year, something would run through the fields hollering. They said the scream was so terrifying that the hunting dogs would run under the porch steps so fast they would hit their heads. Oh. Anywho, yeah, right? Anywho, thanks for reading. I take a lot of value in these old stories. I'm super lucky they were passed down to me in vivid detail and as otherwise they would have been lost. Footnote, when I was in my teens, me and a buddy of mine would cross over the bridge at Buffalo Creek and always find deer parts, legs, torsos, heads on the bridge and the embankment. Thanks for reading. The end. Ooh, weird. So, Papa Les has seen some shit. For real. I need that guy to write us a book. Yes, a whole ass book. Okay, so I have this idea, and I've been meaning to do this with my granny, and I kind of, this story just reminded me that I really have to get on it. So, Mm -hmm. I wish, like, my grandparents and great-grandparents that were around when I was younger, I wish I was able to appreciate them more. Like, when you're Mm -hmm. seven years old, you're like, I don't want to go to grandma's or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But... Now that I'm older, like, my granny has some funny stories. And now, she, like, she remembers a lot. She doesn't remember a lot, like, now. Like, she'll just forget little things that just slip, just normal, like, oh, I forgot to turn on the oven or something like that. But she yeah. remembers stories of her kids, like, they happened yesterday, but they were, like, 50 years ago, right? <laughs> so I wanted to get her a journal and just have her write every story or record her of every story that she has that she remembers right now so you know god forbid when she passes away we have those memories and they're able to get passed down through generation to generation oh i love that idea so for those that maybe have grandparents great grandparents fingers crossed that you know they may be able to be able to tell you stories this is your sign get yourself a journal you know once the quarantine's over and you can be around them Maybe videotape them, do an interview with them. Um, you will never realize how important those memories, that video footage, or even their handwriting means. And you have those stories that you can pass down to your other family members, your kids, your grandkids in the future. And mm-hmm. uh, you never, you'll be surprised at some of the stories that once they start writing them down or speaking about, they'll remember even more stories that maybe their kids didn't even hear of. Um, so I just I think that'd be a that really idea. cool idea. And if you guys do it, uh, tag us in your posts on Instagram at Just Ghouly Things Podcast. So we could share them because I just think that'd be really cool to see uh, some of the weird stories, preferably paranormal, that your uh, yes. that your loved ones tell you. I love that. All right, Lily, what's your next story? I just read one. Oh, you did! Oh my god! <laughs> Goodbye. I got so excited about read about listening to people's scary stories that I forgot my own. All right, my next story is upstairs neighbors. Uh, I moved to an apartment in an old building, and since the first night, I heard my upstairs neighbors walking around the house during the night. Since I have insomnia, I'd stay awake during many nights and would hear them walking. It normally started around 3 a.m., so I began to notice a pattern. They would walk from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. during winter, and when the nights were longer, sometimes I'd hear them dragging some furniture, by the sound I thought it was a chair or some small table, from 7 to 9 a.m. I heard them a few times during the evening, but my friends heard them too, and some even asked me if it didn't bother me to have loud neighbors, but I was okay with it. I lived in that apartment for three years, and I'd hear them almost every single day. I met one of my upstairs neighbors once when she came to my apartment to ask me if my hot water was working. She was an old lady and was very nice, so I'd say hi to her whenever I met her in the elevator or around the building. When I was moving out, I decided to say goodbye to that lady, so I went upstairs for the first time. I noticed that the apartment above mine had a sign saying that it was closed due to a police investigation and the door was locked. I got worried about the lady, so I rang the door of the apartment across the hall, and for my surprise, the lady answered the door. She invited me to drink a tea with her I accepted and we started chatting and got to the subject of that apartment while I asked her about it she said that it was a terrible story and that the guy that lived there killed his wife and baby and tried to kill himself five years ago and the apartment has been locked ever since I asked her if the police were still coming to the apartment to investigate and she said no they had been closed for at least four years 
I tried to come up with a lot of explanations around the noises and my curiosity got the best of me, so I decided to fly my drone outside their window next time I heard something. And for my <laughs> surprise, the apartment was empty, but I could still hear the steps. I can't explain the noises, but I'm sure there was something there, and I'm happy that I moved out of that building. <laughs> I would move out of that building so fast. Oh, hell yeah. The dragging, what if that was like a residual what haunting of the body? Dragging the bodies. Oh, I don't like that. How weird. I don't like that at all. How weird. Ugh. Ugh. All right, Lily, what is your last story? This time, I swear, you are reading this time. <laughs> this one is called, it's kind of given away in the title, but it says, my mom says she saw a ghost when she was a teenager. When her father returned home that same day, he told her that his brother had passed away earlier the day, earlier that day a long title yeah right it's basically the tldr version of the story <laughs> my mom was a teenager in the early 90s she was doing laundry in the basement when she said the figure of a man came running through the basement according to her the man was formed by balls of energy that took the shape of a man she was so scared of what she had seen that she dropped whatever she had in her hand and went running upstairs she told her brother what happened but didn't but he didn't believe her when their father came home later that day, he told them that his brother had passed away before my mom even had the chance to explain what she had seen. When she did tell him, he calmly said, it must have been my brother. My mom believes to this day that her uncle ran through the basement that day. Her home was where he had last stayed before he had been taken to the hospital for heart complications. She believes that he was likely looking for her father. This just thought I'd share. I always enjoyed the story. The end. Aww. That's another sweet family moment. Yeah, definitely. It, I mean, kind of sweet. I mean, scary because he's darting through the basement. But Yeah, but it, that's just like the balls of energy, I guess, that are allowing him to do that. Um, but at least he was trying to make himself known. Yes, Like exactly. one last goodbye. Okay. One last goodbye. <sighs> well, then here is one last story. And this Ooh, is titled, like One Word Run. So, prior to 2016, I lived in Palmdale, California. My sister, Honey, and my youngest daughter lived with my mother in a rented townhouse apartment in Oxnard about two hours away. Every week or two, I made the long drive to take them shopping and clean their house because they were both disabled. My mother was my heart, and my sweet sister helped me raise me, so anything they needed, I was there for them. On the first floor, the kitchen was in the back with the door that opened to the backyard, then a big open space in the living room and the front door. On the right, the bathroom and my mother's bedroom, the stairs were on the left, and a half-wall railing going up to the first landing. My mom was sitting in her lift recliner on the right, facing the base of the stairs. One night, we were all sitting in the living room watching a show with the lights on, and my daughter was upstairs in her room. We were laughing at something when, oh, something we saw on TV when I saw something on the stairs. It darted down the steps real fast, peeking up at me, then ducked down behind the railing behind a cold chill, Oh, followed by a cold chill that entered the living room. My mother commented that it was cold and pulled her robe together. At first, I thought it was my daughter playing tricks on me, but when she didn't pop up, I felt concerned. I said, Mama, did you see something? Because she had full sight of anything there. She said, No, dear, I thought I did, but there's nothing there. That's when it hit me, and just instinctively, I knew what it was and where it came from. I ran up the stairs and burst into my daughter's room. What did you do? She looked at me with her eyes wide. She knew exactly what I was for referring to and started apologizing. I told her to tell me what, did, uh, what she did to bring it into this house. She proceeded to tell me that when her girlfriends were there, they thought it would be fun to summon a spirit. <laughs> then they tried to reach the father of one of her friends who passed away two years prior, but she said something else came through and it scared them, so they stopped in her fr and, her friend's house, oh, and her friends ran home without even saying goodbye. Well, I was furious. How dare you play with something you don't understand? I told her that I knew she was tr just trying to help a friend, but for heaven's sake, I warned her for years, years, never to mess around with things she didn't understand and had no control over. I was thinking that not only do I constantly worry about my family's health, now I have to worry about this. I asked if she at least closed the door, and she just looked at me with a blank stare. Obviously, she did not. She said they made a Ouija board out of paper, and when they were done, she ripped it up and threw it away. The door had to be closed. We gathered the pieces, and we called her friends. Two of them were too scared to come back, so we had to perform the closing without them, but in the back of my head, I knew that it didn't work, 
and it was still there hiding. At that point, there was nothing I could have done viewing the circumstances at the time. So now, fast forward to 2016. I had an opportunity waiting for me in Washington State, so I begged and pleaded for my mother and sister to go with me, but my sister Honey was fanatically scared of change, and although my mother desperately wanted to go with me, she couldn't leave my sister's side. I wish now I was more persistent. So I moved, reluctantly leaving them with my sister and her now husband to take over their care. Within those two years, my eldest sister Honey's death, uh, health, so, geez, health severely declined, and my mother shared with me eight months after I moved that she di- was diagnosed with stage four cancer. I flew back and drove back and forth to be with them, and every time I showed them pretty pictures of my new life and our beautiful green surroundings, asking them to return with me, and every time Honey would say that she was too apprehensive to leave and said no. Um, 2018, they both passed away, my mother from cancer and my sister from an existing illness, taking a big part of my heart and soul with them. My daughter and her husband moved out, leaving all of my mother and sister's things there. Somebody had put their stuff in storage, and of course, it had to be me. Even though I was the youngest of six, I felt it was my duty. I drove there with my two grandchildren, eight and four, because at the time, there was no one available to watch them for that long period of time. When we arrived, the place was in shambles. Dirty dishes, moldy food lined the counters, and was piled up in the sink, and it looked like soot all over the place. Mom and Honey's personal belongings were strewn around the house, and in my mother's room, a barricade of trash piled up all the way to her door, and the middle of the door, in the open space, was a full-length mirror I had never seen before hanging off a wooden ladder. I just stood there and cried. I set up a clean spot in the living room for my grandson to play on his tablet, and my granddaughter wanted to help. As I was bagging things up in the kitchen, I noticed her just standing there staring into the mirror. I didn't think anything of it, but she kept just standing there. Then I heard her say to me, while not looking away, "'Nana, can you get rid of this mirror?' "'I thought she just wanted me to move it, "'but she was adamant that it be taken out of the house. "'I asked her why she was so scared, "'and she told me that while she was looking in the mirror, "'she was standing alone. "'She couldn't see anything in the reflection "'around her or behind her, "'just darkness all around her and something was coming. "'I looked at the mirror, not at myself, "'and it did look very dark. "'Say no more. "'Not only did I take it outside, "'I smashed it into little pieces "'and threw it into the trash can.' We decided to sleep in the living room, and it took days to even come close to being done. This was the last night, and we were alone. I just mopped downstairs, so I locked the doors and all the windows in the whole house, and we slept upstairs in the bedroom across from my daughter's old room. We hunkered down on some mattresses on the floor. I always left the light on in the hall. I'm reading a book online. My granddaughter had fallen asleep next to me, and my grandson was on his tablet at the end of the bed. I was getting sleepy, and my grandson started to yawn. Yawn. He looked up at his tablet, and his eyes got big. Then he ran to the door, shouting, Spooky! and slammed it. Running back, he quickly got under the covers and got as close to me as he could, making me feel very uneasy. I could see movement in the hall, dimming the light around and under the door, making swirling strange shapes as if someone were pacing, followed by surges of blackness and wisps of cool air coming from the space under the door. That night was long, and I felt on guard until I finally fell asleep as well, but woke up hours later and had to go to the bathroom, but I was too scared. I was waiting until daybreak, but I couldn't wait any longer. I slowly opened the door, fearing for what was waiting for me on the other side. There was nothing, but I knew there was. I could feel it. I tried to be as fast as I could, and I left the bathroom door open so I could hear the kids. Then I ran back, hearing a swoosh behind me. I slammed the door and laid holding the kids until daybreak. I received a call from my sister later that morning. She couldn't understand how we had been able to stay in that house. When I asked her why, she told me that when she was there grabbing some boxes of pictures, she heard noises coming from my daughter's room upstairs. She said it was loud, and she felt an evil presence, and everything inside her told her to leave, so she did. She told me that my son-in-law, from which I had no knowledge of at the time, was practicing black magic and summoning dark energy in that room. Not cool. Um, late that afternoon, everything was done. The kids were in the car, and the car was packed. I just wanted to look in my mother's bedroom one last time where she used to sleep. These walls held so many memories. I felt like if I looked hard enough, I would see her laying where the bed had been and in my mind, telling me not to cry. As I stood in the doorway, a chill went up my spine. The hairs on the back of my neck and my arms started to raise, and I could feel something holding in on me. In my ear, I felt a warm breath and one loud word run i ran out of the house so fast not even locking the door as we were driving off my granddaughter asked me who that was standing in the window upstairs (gasps) 
I want to thank my son, Cody. Without him, I wouldn't have had the courage to write my stories, much less put them on Reddit for you all to read. The end. Wow. Yeah. When I heard run, I thought of those. You remember those vines that would be like, run. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Oh, classic. Classic vine reference. But I think that that Ouija board situation from years ago stayed in that house and manifested into something even darker absolutely and the the well, who was it the son-in-law practicing yeah magic? fucking God asshole if you don't God know what your child if you're not if you don't know what you're doing why are you trying this stuff this is the paranormal it is not normal if you are not educated in this field do not try to summon spirits that's just that's just I know I just think okay you don't even need to be a paranormal expert to know that and give that type of advice okay like common sense logical yeah exactly so on that note don't use Ouija boards don't practice black magic especially if you don't know what the fuck you're doing and that concludes this episode of just ghouly things the quarantine spooky story special episode 65 Lily do you have anything to wrap us up with um Run. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Run. Classic. All right, guys. We are starting with the socials, shall we? We shall. Follow us on Instagram at... Just Cooly Things Podcast. Personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and... At Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Just Cooly Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Cooly Things Podcast group. Donate to our Patreon. Just Cooly Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience they'd like to share in our show, feel free to email us at justcoolythingspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, Boo Things, and we will talk to Boo tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye.